Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 63. On this episode, I have Clark Fabris of Pettit Machinery as my guest. Clark, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Clark, uh, I always like to get people's backgrounds when we get started. I always find that to be pretty interesting. So give me a little background on yourself and a little background on Pettit Machinery. You bet, you bet. So, uh, uh, I guess I came into the equipment business back in the late 90s. Uh, I actually had uh, worked at a, as a diesel roadside technician on trucks in uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, where I was going to school and and uh, uh, left out of there and uh, wanted a, kind of a new scene. I'd grown up there and lived there my whole life, so I moved to southern Oklahoma and uh, went to work at a John Deere dealership as a truck driver in Sherman, Texas. It was just a small dealership there. Uh, worked there for six months and, uh, and was promoted to a service manager. I uh, worked there for several years, I guess until, uh, that would have been like 98, until uh, 2003, and I left there and went to work in parts for pet machinery there in Dewey, in Oklahoma, where I was actually living. Um, from there, uh, I worked there for one year, almost to the day, and uh, went there and went to work for Sundowner Trailers as a sales representative for them, and worked there for uh, right out about a year. And uh, saw that my fit was really in the equipment industry and uh, went back to uh, Pet Machinery and went to work there as a, uh, uh, as a parts guy again. And was there just a couple short months and, and was put back in as a service manager again. Uh, worked there in service until 2000 and, uh, gosh, that was 2011. And uh, I was asked to go into sales. Uh, I took the job into sales, worked in sales for eight months and uh, then became their corporate corporate sales manager, uh, which was a new position in this company. Uh, they kind of just jockeyed that, uh, that position around between uh, uh, the owner and the uh, CEO. And uh, so we, we took that position and, and grew that position and, uh, and the things that we were doing, but a lot more focus on sales. And, and uh, I've been there ever since. But always, always kind of found, my, found myself coming back to this, uh, this industry my, my, my entire working career, I guess. Okay. Well, you've been from the ground up then. You started from the truck driving position all the way up. So you have a lot of uh, different perspectives that probably bring a lot of uh, good experience to your to your position. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about, about pedit machinery. Tell me a little bit about the uh, area that you cover and the crop mix that you guys are involved with. You bet. So pedit machinery is eight locations. We're, we're located in three separate states, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. Uh, we are based in uh, based out of Ardmore, Oklahoma. Uh, this uh, this business was originally uh, owned by Mickey Pettit, which was Brody Pettit's Brody Pettit's dad. Uh, Mickey had actually worked for John Deere as a TM uh, way back in the seventies and eighties, and uh, or seventies and early eighties, and then uh, bought out a dealership in Hugo, Oklahoma. Uh, he expanded from there to Ardmore, and uh, actually sold Hugo. Uh, bought the Gainesville location, and uh, and when they had those two locations, that's when Brody, his son, stepped in and, and wanted to kind of have a big part in the business and, and take it forward, grow it, and uh, basically model it after the dealership of today as we see it, uh, with John Deere having multiple dealerships in multiple areas. and uh, So they started that uh, out of those two locations there, bought Hugo back again, then they added on, uh, I'm sorry, they bought Durant, which was owned by Williams Equipment. Then you go, uh, and then uh, uh, Paul's Valley came along later, and then the last acquisition was then the three stores in Southwest Arkansas. 
so it's a uh, it's it's a family been a family run company for years, uh, and uh, the uh, you know it's uh, one thing that this company prides itself in is very very low uh, employee turnover. Uh, we, it's a lot of the same guys. Uh, you know, 15 years ago when I started with the company that are still here. Uh, there's been new ones, of course, added, but a lot of the veterans that were here are still here. Uh, it's a great company to work for, and, and uh, you know, we're diversified in a lot, of, a lot of different markets. We cover all the way from uh, dry land, wheat, and grazing wheat on our western territory to flood irrigation and hipped-up rows in southwest Arkansas. So, uh, you know, for the territory that we specifically cover, it's a wide array of crops, uh, farming practices, equipment that's used, types of equipment, uh, I mean, you name it, it's, it is, <laughs> we are very diversified. <laughs> right, right. Well, the diversification is a, it is a blessing sometimes, but it's also a curse sometimes, too, because of the different materials that you run, and what you sell in one place may or may not work in the next place, but overall, there is enough overlap in certain machines, like tractors, for example, that you can spread those out across your, or it might be some tire differences and those kind of things, but for the most part, it, you can spread those machines out. Yes, yes, you're, yeah. you're, you are 100% correct. Okay, so here we are at springtime. Um, if you guys aren't planting, you're getting darn close to it. Um, if you're, we've been planting here in the, uh, in the North Texas area, uh, Southern Oklahoma area. We've been planting corn for, uh, for, I would say, about the last 10 days. Okay. Uh, really ramped up and started in on it. Uh, we had quite a bit of rainfall. Uh, there we got pretty dry coming out of uh, coming out of the end of 17 into early early uh, 18, and uh, we finally got some needed rainfall. And uh, these guys are rolling. I mean, they're everybody's in the fields right now. They're putting in their crop, and uh, you know conditions are, are actually very good right now. Uh, I think in this in this general vicinity, we should be sewed up and, and all the corn done probably within the next week. Okay, so overall, let's talk about your planter mix. So. You're looking across, um, you know, the planters have taken such a beating since 2014, and, and now I think we've, we've sold the used equipment down so far down now that there's not a lot left in captivity that we can turn yeah. around and sell. So talk to me about your used, your used planter market and, and uh, talk to me about what your, how that's affecting your new sales. You know, used planter sales, popular, popular if it's a popular model and, and spec unit, uh, uh, you know, that's, uh, those are... Uh, those are carrying good value right now. Uh, they're hard to find if you're looking for a used one. Um, uh, I'd say their resale value compared to what it was even two years ago has uh, has gone way up. So I'd say used planters have good resale value if they've been shedded, if they're good machines ready to go to the field and uh, don't have that ranching look where they've been you know sitting out and weathered. Right. Um, uh, as far as as far as stocking inventory, we've got a couple left in stock, but we sold out. Uh, pretty much all our used planters this year that we we carried in stock. Uh, we did outsource and go out and uh, buy several uh, planters for different guys that wanted to change up or go to a different uh, uh, different setup in their operation. Um, for us, it's really hard on the new side of planters stocking those specific uh, specific units for guys, uh, and we do we we prefer ordering in specific planters and getting with those guys earlier on in the season because it's. Uh, you know, let's just face it, it's uh, the technology that's out there is so wide and varies so much between units and farming practices, especially in this area, that you would, no matter what you order, it wouldn't be the right setup. Right. So, yeah, I know that feeling. 
we're, we've got guys running uh, 1770 NT, some guys still on 1760s. We've got guys that are running 1720s, 1725s, some uh, set up on CCS, some of them just box planters, uh, some on 30, 38. We've got guys on 22s. Um, you know, it's, it's every configuration you can imagine through our territory. So it's uh, to stock that for these guys as far as a retail purchase and have it on the yard, it would be nearly impossible. Right. Yeah, you'll, you never have the right thing for the guy that wants to buy it that day, that's for sure. Yes, for sure. So how has the um, high-speed planter technology affected your business? So look at the 1775 um, exact merge or 1725 exact merge or whatever whatever we have exact merge on. Um, like, and then also from the older stuff for, like, for example, maybe a, a 10- or 12-year-old planter with maybe a retrofit or a precision kit or something like that on there. So how's that technology affected your business and how are your customers reacting to that technology? You know, we're, we're not seeing a lot of focus on that. Uh, we've seen, uh, we've had some guys talk to us about it a little bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, with, with $3 corn, uh, they're not, they're, they're more concerned about uh, right now what we're seeing concern on is fertilizer. We've had fertilizer to a lot of planters this year that they weren't doing before. They were knifing it in. Uh, beforehand or, or uh, top dressing afterwards or applying it afterwards uh, with row units. But the, uh, you know, as far as, as the precision planning side of things, we have not seen a lot of interest. And in, in our area, typically kind of follows behind the rest of the industry some uh, as far as that technology goes. But, uh, you know, those in, in this area here, our guys really don't spend money unless the commodities are, are way up there on price and they value. We don't see uh, uh, a lot of guys step in and uh, uh, upgrade planners or ask about a new uh, high-end planner like that. There hasn't been a lot of concern with that or, or questions with it. Right. Well, it's just it's so hit or miss on that. We have we're the same way here with us. You know, we have some exact merge stuff out there. We've got some precision stuff out there and some retrofit stuff out there. Um, yep. I just read on Twitter a lot. There's a lot of guys that are looking for those. You know, 10, 12 year old, some 25, 30, 40,000 dollar planters, and then they want to spend uh, 50 grand or whatever it is to, to put that precision uh, technology on there so they can, you know, have the, the effects of a new planter with a used planter price. So that's it's, it's, uh, it's pocketed, you know what I mean? Some places you talk to, it's, it's a pretty adopted thing, and some places you talk to, it's, it's really not. So it's kind of hit or miss. It is. It's, you know, and it's, there's so many different, uh, so many different setups and so many different aftermarket setups that you can add to this equipment. Uh, you know, it's some of it has better cost, some of it's extreme cost, and and uh, you know, it's just I think a lot of it, a lot of that that precision is uh, precision planning is is tied to uh, uh, is tied to you know real fertile crop ground uh, areas that you know have uh, uh, high bushel per acre counts, uh, and you know we're we're dry land here for the majority we're dry land dryland crop so it's not uh uh you know they kind of know what to expect is that going to make enough difference to offset the cost that they're going to invest into that uh used planter or a new planter uh you know it's 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 kind of a catch some guys are are really tied up with that uh technology and and want to see that change in their operation but i'd say you know for the majority it's just most guys are uh, if they've got a good solid planter that's in good shape and, and has pretty good seed placement on it uh, and it's putting in fertilizer the way they want it done uh, they're good with that. Mm-hmm. Are there more? Is have you started to see a drift back towards dry fertilizer? 
over over liquid fertilizer, or do you still see primarily a liquid fertilizer mix in your area? Primarily liquid. Um, okay. You know, there's a couple guys that we deal with that do dry, uh, you know, but primarily it's, it's liquid in our area. Okay. All right. So um, let's talk about another thing, too, with this being springtime and it, what the diverse your area is. There's some sprayers out running around top dressing wheat right now. You're going to yes. have some guys go back in and, and uh, top dress their corn, those kind of things. So um, how does the sprayer market look for you? And, and what is your what is your used uptake on, on sprayers right now? So sprayers, uh, you know, on, on the new set of sprayers, we, we have not stocked any new ones this year just because the, the interest level has been so low uh, on new sprayers. But the used sprayer market, uh, what we have found is very, very, very strong. Um, if you have clean machines uh, with minimal minimal rust and uh, uh, you know used machines anywhere in that two thousand hour or less mark uh, that uh, you know has been well maintained has good rubber on it clean booms and uh, you know is set up you know with, with a pretty good you know standard configuration uh, we found whether it's a lease or a uh, outright purchase uh, the sales market or the sprayer market is very strong right now uh, we are turning them and pumping them through our shop. Uh, in Gainesville, Texas, as fast as we can turn them through, they are selling before we get them get them processed. So, uh, you know, as far as that goes, I mean, it's a it's a good market out there on them. I'd say, you know, as far as the used market, very strong. Used over the last or new over the last couple of years, it's been weak. Uh, but uh, it seems like 100, 100 to one hundred twenty foot boom setups on gates uh, or on forty seven thirties on the hundred foot setup. Uh, with 15 inch spacing that's been very popular for us uh, over the past two years yeah so so, so 15 inch spacing is is that what's the primary draw in your area yes because i had a conversation just the other day with the guy we were talking about um you know back when corn was worth its weight in gold that it didn't really seem to matter what the spacing was on on your sprayer it didn't matter if it was 15 or if it was 20 if you had one they wanted to buy it and now yes. most of our guys that we talked to and he brought up a good point with the dicamba thing, but most of them want 15-inch spacing with stainless steel plumbing. Is that are you yeah. seeing something similar to that in your area? Very similar. Okay. All right. And uh, we we concentrate on stainless tank rigs, uh, very few poly tank rigs, uh, just for the reason of uh, you know there's so many different chemicals, and these guys they're switching from spraying uh, row crops, cotton, corn, wheat, fertilizing, whatever, and they may go spray their cow pastures uh, all in the same. Uh, with the same sprayer so you know clean out on the stainless rig is much better with, especially with stainless plumbing and all that right. so uh, you know we just kind of concentrate on stainless rigs primarily and stick with that it's tried it's proven it works and uh, uh, you don't have residue buildup or uh, you know caking on the inside of your tanks uh, like you do with the poly rig so right. we kind of stick we stick with that profile in this end what size of model are, are your customers drawn towards you know, 90% of them, uh, I would say, we do move some uh, 4940s, uh, you know, for, for an older square 4940s, very few 4045s, 4038s, and uh, 4730s okay. are our cake here. That's what, uh, that's what everybody wants. Um, in this row crop application and pasture spraying, the different things they do, a lot of our guys don't want the weight that is associated with those big machines, 1,200-gallon rigs, and... Uh, uh, they just get to be too heavy, and uh, if it's uh, if it's slightly wet here in our soil, we have a lot of clay-based soil here, and uh, it just it, they'll just ball up, and, and you're done. Right. I mean, yeah. So try to keep them light. 
how many of you guys now that are buying those used R's have looked at at doing the aftermarket exact apply um, with the with the number of crops that you guys cover? Well, we have not here. Uh, we put some Rosen systems on, uh, Revision Sense, whatever they're calling that now. But it's uh, we've done a couple of those systems, but nothing with exact apply. Okay, All right. Is there a uh, is that direct inject? Is that been a draw for your guys too? Uh, not really. Uh, most of our guys, uh, we we have sold some rigs that uh, uh, we have put uh, direct inject on. It hasn't been uh, super popular in this area, but uh, uh, we have done a couple cu couple custom applications and added those to some sprayers. Yeah. So uh, just a handful, probably four or five rigs, is about all we've done. Right. So looking out, you know, going through here, we've gone through the first quarter. Now we're heading into the busy time of of, of our business. You know, basically from now till into corn harvest whenever that might be there's a little old there in the middle but when you take a look at some of the strengths that you have that you're that you're looking at going out towards the you know the next quarter you're going through harvest what are some of the uh positive things that you feel like you're going to be able that are over um over and beyond what you did in 2017 what are some of the things you see in the uh, first couple quarters here of 2018 that are going to be a good positive strength for you you know, we we built a very strong uh, a very strong program through our dealership as far as uh, uh, remarketing used equipment. Um, you know, I think we all know you know the massive downturn we saw after 2014 and the slide in the large ag industry. Um, the uh, we were we were prepared for that. We kind of saw that coming, and we prepared for it early. Um, and then uh, you know when things kind of just when we saw it hit rock bottom, we were prepared to uh, bounce back from that. And, and do what we needed to do. We know that farmers still have to buy equipment. They still have to upgrade. They still have units going down. They still are stacking hours on equipment, and they have to do something to move forward. We're not seeing a lot of uh, uh, interest in new large ag equipment in this area, uh, and uh, you know our focus has been turned to value. Right. Everybody talking about value. They're restructuring loans. They're restructuring uh, how they operate their uh, their farming operations. And they're looking at their input costs. They're looking at their balance sheets with their bankers, and they're saying, you know, it's, you know, I've got a lot of unknowns. I've got three or four eight thousand hour tractors. I know that I'm buying time on these things. When they're going to go down, I've got some aged combines and this and that. Uh, they're looking at, uh, they're looking at the value that's out there on the used tractors, combines, sprayers. They're looking at them uh, as a retail purchase or a lease. And uh, you know, one thing we have found big that we uh, that we are really working towards. Uh, and, and, and working on every day, and that is marketing equipment, used equipment, late model equipment, with warranty, guidance, all the things that they need, whether it's a lease or it's an outright purchase, we are marketing all that together so those guys can actually go to their banker or and, you know, take their numbers to their operate, you know, for their operating loan, take it to them and say, hey, this is what this tractor is going to cost me for the next three years or the next five years, whatever it may be. I've got fixed expenses I can put on this, and outside of an operator of fuel, I know what it will cost. Right. Yeah. Uh, we we feel like you know in this industry right now, with commodities being as low as they are, that that's what the farmer is looking for. That's what they're begging for and asking for. They're not looking at new. They they're they're looking at value. And uh, and for 2018, uh, you know, we really started this back in 16, and it's grown grown a ton. And uh, uh, for, for the time coming forward, until this market kind of rebounds and gets strong again, uh, I think that's the approach that we're going to take on this end and, uh, and just bring the best value we can to the end user, uh, bringing the protection with warranty and insurance, 
God's equipment, whatever it is, putting all that in a package together for them uh, with a number that they can they can afford. Yeah, that that is that is so such a key part to selling any even new equipment. Um, it's that fixed cost of operation. Yeah, the farmer wants to hear that, and and they really want to hear it more than their banker wants to hear it more than they do. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. that is such a such a key thing when you start talking with these guys is understanding that if you can pitch them something that's got a my payments X dollars and that's everything like like you said except for you know my operator and my fuel you know the yes. maintenance and all that stuff is all all wrapped into that you know and my my risk is very mitigated at this point and that's I think that's what we need to do with our customers right now is really give them that that sense of uh, security for the equipment that they're buying right now. Oh, it is. You know, in a scenario we use all the time with, with customers, and it's real-life scenarios that we've dealt with with customers, is, you know, it's you've got a tractor that you're paying on, it's got 4,500 hours on it, and the transmission goes down, and you still owe money on it. You know, and you have to put a $40,000 transmission in a tractor that you still owe money on. Well, you know, it's, do I cut bait and run now? Do I keep on going? Do I stack that into it? And I'm never going to get my money back out of it, but I'll just have to use the hours out of it. But am I buying time to go... Is the engine going to go down next, or is it going to be another major failure in it? Uh, you know, those unknowns are what we're what we're trying to uh, uh, alleviate from the customer and and make sure that they they've got protection of some kind out there. Uh, this uh, with the cost of equipment and the cost of repairs now, uh, it's expensive, yeah. and uh, you know it's a <laughs> one transmission will lease a tractor for two years. That's right. You know, yeah, you can put some good numbers in front of them very quickly to where. Uh, you know they can see your point of view and, and where you're bringing that value to them. So, yeah. yeah, that's I've said it a couple times on the show, more than a couple times. But from my perspective, I think what's driving the used equipment marketplace, especially that late and low hour stuff, it's it's not the fact that these guys have they made some money, you know, had more bushels than they expected, and always more bushels always generate more revenue, and you spread your costs over more stuff, and so on and so forth. But I think the drive in the marketplace right now, why it's why it is so hot right now for used equipment has everything to do with they've had their equipment for so long yes they are forced they're really thinking about like you said like i still owe x number of dollars on this and it's to that point now like on my combine where i'm going to have to spend some serious money to to fix components you know that are that are worn out and same way with a tractor that's got four or five thousand hours on it now i'm not saying that the engines blow out in in four or five thousand hours but what i'm saying is your risk is extremely higher at four or five thousand hours than it was at fifteen hundred. Oh yeah. You know what I mean, so they're weighing all that stuff into these decisions that they're making, and I really think even even some of the times their banks have to be weighing that too. Like you know, you've got an eight thousand hour, you know, tractor now. Let's let's trade that down to four, and get some warranty on it and see what we can do. Oh yeah, and and you know, no bank, no bank. You know, if they're working with the farmer closely and they're and they're managing, you know, helping manage their operating loan. Nobody wants to go in there and say, well, I have a lot of this much for seed, chemical, fertilizer, so on and so forth, and equipment payments, and then them come in and say, hey, I got a problem, buddy. I, you know, I've got a, a $40,000 transmission i got to buy for that tractor now that I can still owe you for yep. and uh, back that on, but I still have to buy my chemical, seed, fertilizer, yep. and fuel for the year. And, uh, you know, they, those, the banks want to see the protection, and I've heard that from farmers more this year than I ever have before because after the first year they were all going back in and restructuring their, their operating loans for the year. But it's uh, you know, they're wanting they're wanting that protection and they're wanting security. I mean they're they're begging for it. Yeah. And uh, and uh, you know I think that's that's our job as dealers to make sure we're providing that for them mm-hmm. and uh, and giving them something that uh, 
that gives them protection. Yeah, I mean, we got to be providing as many solutions as we can for guys to keep them. Because let's be honest, I mean, at the end of the day, their success is our success. You know, Absolutely. So we have to we have to partner with them the best we can. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the overall economy and what you're seeing in your area. So let's let's take a look at the auction marketplace. Um, yep. I look at auction values right now, and they are they have spiked up. Um, I wouldn't say so much on the like the consignment stuff, like the like the dealer liquidation consignment stuff, or just the regular consignment sales you see out there. I feel like those are are fairly consistent. You know, I would say. Uh, but man, when you watch these retirement sales, some of that stuff that sells on there, I'm like, I, I couldn't ask that much for it. So okay. what what are you seeing in your area and, and, and how is that affecting your customer base? You know, I would say the same thing. I'd say retirement auctions for good equipment, mm-hmm. you know, if it's not just a jump sale, if you're going there and it's good equipment and it's uh, uh, farmer-owned equipment, I would say the auction values are strong. Um, it seems like there's a good following there and uh, uh, we're seeing a lot of equipment wholesalers showing up for those sales as well, buying late model equipment. Um, the, uh, you know, as far as, uh, uh, your big auction dump auctions, as I would call them, auction time, different things like that, you know, they're, uh, you know, it's the good stuff is bringing good money. Uh, if it's advertised well, the, uh, the junk, uh, the cleanup stuff is, is, uh, what you expect. I mean, it's low. There's a lot of it out there. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of variance in prices on those, um, you know, we try to we try to take a different approach. We do run some stuff on auction usually every quarter uh, to clean up some stuff that may be uh, getting out to be a year old. You know, for a dealership, we try to keep nothing over a year old. Right. We find a way and uh, and get it on down the line. So that's kind of our its birthday is our timeline to get it moved. Um, what we have found is really going out and looking at comparisons across the United States as far as values for a similar spec piece of equipment, going in and putting a number on that that is uh, comparable in that market area or one of the lowest out there will move the piece of equipment. We've seen it time and time again. So just taking the time to go out there and do that really doesn't mean that a dealership has to take it to auction and, and dump it off and let the market be what it is that day. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, it, it's a it's a reality of, of putting it out there for what it's actually worth. Right. And that's, you know, I, I've said this many times that it doesn't necessarily matter what you have in the unit. It's what you can sell it for. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? So sometimes you have to just swallow that pill and be like, ah, we've got X dollars in it and we're going to have to sell 15000 less than that because that's what the market is today. We just, yep. You know, so it is what it is and you have to just, as bad as it hurts, just just keep pushing through and finally you get but, to the other side. You know? That's right. It works on the average. And, yeah. you know, the way, the way I look at it, if, uh, if you go out and you're proactive, uh, you know, and I'll just say on the use side of things because – because new, I mean, they can price shop anywhere in the U.S., and, and that's their right, and, and and more power to them. You have to be competitive on the on the front side, on the new, uh, on the used equipment. It's uh, you know, go out there and offset that loss if you have to, and go buy go buy your profit in some other machines that you know are, are good value. Turn around, remarket them, and sell them, yeah. and uh, and regain you know regain your loss. I mean, we've all taken some massive losses you know for the last couple of years, but. Uh, all in all, in the average, you have to look at: Did I start with ten dollars and end with twelve, or did I start with ten and end with eight? Right. And 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 just take that, uh, you know, look at it that way. I found that's the that's the best way to look at it. Right. <laughs> it's all on average. Hopefully, your average is better than at the end than when you started. So yeah, absolutely. Right. So one last thing, and we'll we'll shut it down here. So take a look at. So we've we've seen the positive stuff here. Give me some negatives that you're worried about. 
kind of in your area that, that you're that you're really paying close attention to and you're and you're thinking that there's going to be some definite draw on your business you know there's uh, some negatives one of the negatives or, or i would say is a negative for me uh uh watch the markets pretty closely uh we know where commodities are and i think the long-term forecast is not a lot of fluctuation there uh you know i think wheat might rally a little bit this year um you know last year was a was a disaster north of uh, north of oklahoma uh but it uh uh, as far as uh, uh, things in concern in this area, the my biggest concern coming forward is cotton, and okay. uh, uh, it's really started entering our area. Uh, we looked at uh, you know we look at how guys are investing into that industry. Um, we're we're looking at uh, you know the gins that have been put in and are running. Uh, they're they're months and months and months out of processing the bales that are turned in, bales or modules. Uh, we're looking at guys, you know, dumping a lot of equipment into uh, or money into equipment uh, to uh, to take care of these crops and, and run them. Uh, the my concern with it is is uh, uh, 2017 saw I believe uh, the report I saw was a 50 percent increase in cotton acres in the U.S. Yeah. over 2016, and uh, you know we had two record years in a row. 16 and 17 were just I mean record. Uh, record uh, tonnage per acre and uh, you know at, at that rate and with the expected growth again yet again this year uh, my fear is that that market is going to uh, is going to flood uh, without notice and and we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see a lot of equipment stacked around that's only used for one thing uh, we're gonna see uh, a lot of guys with a lot of debt uh, going forward so you know I I don't think uh, you know I, you have to you have to uh, feed that market as it's demanding um, I just, uh, when I see growth that fast, it always concerns me a little bit and, uh, uh, you know, big explosions in growth and, and equipment sales and stuff like that can, uh, they can be bad too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's the one thing too, that, that worries me about when there's a new trend that comes in is how long yeah. is that trend going to be around? You know, and like for your, like your cotton example there, I mean, they could run cotton for five years and then all of a sudden, poof, we're not going to run cotton anymore. And then we want to trade you our our CP or CS 690 into you and you're like, I don't have a market for this. So I don't know. I can't help you, you know? And then that, that's such a hard conversation to have with the guy. Like I can't do that. Like 22 inch rows was, was a thing here for a while. with our sugar beets, 20, 22 inch rows. And then guys kind of quit doing that and just went back to 30 inch. That way they could buy one planter to plant their beets and plant their corn and their beans and everything with. And so now you have a bunch of 22 inch equipment running around here that we were like, well, I don't know what to do with it. So yeah, we got sent to Minnesota, and that's and that's about what most that's what has to end up with it. <laughs> so, but yeah, those trends really worry me when they when you start seeing that those kind of new everyone's jumping on board the latest thing, and then all of a sudden, is it going to stick around or not? So yeah, and it's, you know it's one thing. I mean, if it's a if it's a new grain crop, uh, you know, uh, uh, sesame or canola or something like mm -hmm. that, you know, I mean it's. Uh, you know, you're not talking about massive dollar amounts of equipment and change in an operation. They can switch into it and switch back out of it. They've still got machines they can use. Right. Um, you know, uh, dealing with cotton, I mean, they can use a lot of their same planters and sprayers and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of that is all the same. But uh, when you jump to a, you know, a $750,000 machine to harvest that, that yeah. machine has one purpose and one purpose only in its life. Yeah. And, you know, if, uh, if the cotton market does fall out, they say, well, I'm just not planting cotton this year. Those equipment payments or lease payments or whatever they are are still hanging out there, yeah. and, uh, and and like you said, you know you're going to be stuck in a position. <laughs> what what am I going to do with it? I know you know I know it's only to you, but what am I going to do with the machine? Right. There's not there anymore. So it's uh, it's a little concerning, um, 
we really try to get involved with our guys and help them make sound, good decisions. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, some, I mean, take it on their own. Some of our big corporations or big pharma corporations and businesses that, that do this stuff, uh, I would say, you know, they're primarily at lower risk than just an individual farmer doing it. But, uh, you know, with, uh, with that, we've got guys looking at used. We've got guys, you know, looking and considering new machines for 2019. Uh, it's just a matter of, it's a matter of where this market goes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen two good years. I hope, uh, and I think this year will be a good year as well. But, you know, I think we always see cycles in a, in a two to three year pattern, typically. And, uh, and I'm looking for that cycle to, uh, to narrow down a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So last thing, USDA reported the other day that they're, I think it was USDA. But anyway, first part of the year, they, they're expecting a 7% decrease in on-farm income from last year, which last year was lower than, lower than 15. So right. are you seeing any residual effects of that as you look into the, as, as your year started, do you feel like it's been pretty strong? No, I feel like it's been strong. I mean, okay. it's, uh. Our guys are going after it, and, uh, and, and you know, in this area here, we've got a lot of guys that farm and raise cattle. So, I mean, they've got several different sources of income uh, that they're bringing in. Um, so it's not, you know, all their eggs aren't in one basket. They're not just counting on wheat. They're not just counting on corn or beans. Uh, they're, they're pretty diversified as far as that goes. So in our area, that's good. Um, uh, you know, but I have not seen anybody back off and say, I'm not planning as much of this. We've had some guys say, you know, I'm going to concentrate on beans this year and not do corn. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing we have seen is a lot of guys take their corn ground and go 100% cotton and have never done that before. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of putting their eggs in one basket on that, I guess you might say. But they're, uh, uh, we, we're seeing a little bit of change in that, but nobody backing off as far as acres of, uh, acres of operation. And, uh, I mean, they're going after it like they did last year and the year before. They're putting it all in, and, and they're putting it in, in in a cash crop of some, some sort. Yeah. And that's, I see the same thing, too. I mean, and a lot of it, too, is, is the, the stuff that they need to spend money on, like our shops and parks business, stuff like that are really full, really busy. They have a lot of stuff going on there. And we have a lot more deals right now working on the tractor side of the stuff than we had this time last year. So I'm, I'm pretty positive that at least the first quarter of the year, anyway, that we're going to, you know, if, he, if, this, if everything kind of continues on the same path that we're going, you know, knock on wood, we should be doing pretty good by the end of the year. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's positive. It's a positive market out there right now. Even with commodities being, being low, I mean, guys can still, they can still make some money there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, changing around a couple things on their operation. I mean, they've looked at, you know, that's why I said on planters, we've been adding fertilizer systems. They're, they're trying to make what they've got better and get a better start. As opposed to uh, uh, as opposed to just doing the same old thing, so we're seeing some changes as far as that goes. Not drastic, uh, but they're uh, uh, you know they're they're looking at the little things that they can tweak and change uh, to increase their yields and uh, and in a small percentage of their profit as well. So uh, some are doing you know multiple crops instead of just one, and uh, you know we're seeing a, we're seeing a change there. But I'd say the outlook for 2018 is is looking good. I like I like what I'm seeing so far. It's a what, what we're seeing right now, as we call it here, we are seeing a sustainable market uh, that, you know, without, uh, without a market that's just exploded like it was back in 2013. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, guys were, guys were buying tons and tons and tons of equipment faster than we could get it from the manufacturers because they had to spend the money. Uh, they're spending money on stuff that they need and, uh, and not just because they have to spend it. So right. that's, uh, that's sustainable to me, and I like to see that market a whole lot better than I do 
uh, market that is uh, just spending it because they have to. Right. No, it makes a lot of sense. So, AMS, ISG, whatever, whatever we're calling it today. Thanks, um, <laughs> <is>, Ben. <laughs> how how if you have the technology adoption? Is it is it greater now than it was beforehand, or do you have guys that are just kind of like I don't know if I need to spend more money on that? You know, I would say on on the ISG side of things, I would say it is very very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, we. Uh, we sell systems with nearly every every tractor we sell, 7R and up, every combine, every sprayer. Um, our, our marketing strategy is that we, uh, we, we sell with new systems on every one. Um, started a baseline with the SF1 and, uh, and you know, going through a command arm. Uh, and then uh, if they want to upgrade and add additional displays or, uh, you know, SF3 or RTK, we will, we will add that as well. But, uh, you know, our, we promote that with every used or new piece we sell, uh, and that is included in our prices. We market it without coming back in and saying, oh, we want to add that to it. You want that now? And uh, then just seeing, you know, stuff being added by the tens of thousands. Uh, we, we include that when we market a piece of equipment. Um, I would say the interest out there, looking back 10 years to where it is now, uh, it's, the growth is, is in the hundreds of percentage uh, category. The... Uh, uh, guys demand it, and it, the funny part about it that we joke about all the time is if a guy has a screwed up uh, system or a receiver that's not operating properly or a display that, that doesn't operate properly, they're as mad about that as if they had an engine go down. Right. I mean, they, they, they just feel like anymore they cannot operate yeah. without it. So yeah. uh, technology is, is demanded. They want it. They want to play on their phones all day long while the tractor's doing its job. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's funny to see that change, but it's... Uh, I mean, that's, if they're going to do without anything, they will do without a nice cab, leather seats, extra lighting, uh, you know, the rubber of choice, whatever it is. They will do without all that, but they won't do without the, uh, without the guidance equipment. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how hard they'll push the machine when the buzzers are going off and red lights are flashing. But let, that, oh, oh yeah. let them lose guidance lines somewhere, and they're going to shut the whole tractor down until they get that fixed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, makes it makes me laugh. So, okay. All right. Well, Clark, man, I appreciate you being on. Any final words you want to say before we shut it down? Oh, thanks for having me on today, Casey. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, enjoy your podcast and, uh, and what you guys are doing. It's uh, always good to hear different parts of the country, uh, hear from different parts of the country as to what other dealerships are doing. So I appreciate the opportunity on it. And uh, uh, that's, uh, I mean, it's, I, I hope that uh, 2000, 2018 is going to be a great year for you guys and everyone else associated with it. Well, I hope so too, man. Thank you for being on. Um, what's your website, real quick, so guys, if they want to get, if they want to come and check you out, what what would that be? You bet. Our website is uh, www.pettit, spelled P-E-T-T-I-T, machinery.com. Okay. Well, good deal. All right, Clark. Well, I'm going to uh, down here. So thanks for being on the podcast. Um, remember, if you want to continue in these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also tune in every day on Twitter through Periscope uh, with the After the Bell with Chip Nellinger that I, that I started doing that. Um, get all the, the latest market uh, information and uh, visit Moving Iron LLC for information about the Moving Iron Summit and uh, get blog information and also the latest and past episodes of Moving Iron, blog, or Moving Iron Podcast. You can also find this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, This is Casey Seymour, out.